1: back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Hope everyone is having a wonderful NFL off-season. I know it's been a little quiet at Arrowhead Pride this week, but We're getting ready for the draft. Had to take a couple of days to rest up, and now we are in full draft mode. So only a couple of things to get you caught up on from this week. We kick things off with Veatch Season, our brand new podcast with Rocky Magana, Price Carter. Going to be a lot of names joining the show this offseason as we get prepared for the NFL Draft. They discuss some positions of need for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with Ron Kopp and Caleb James on this edition of AP Draft Room, discussing some of their top prospects as we turn towards the NFL Draft and NFL Free Agency. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week.
2: One thing we really got to look at, the Chiefs roster heading into this draft is drastically different than it was last year. Last year, there was so much in limbo. You know, you had... You had what you had mvs as a wide receiver really and that was about it and Miko hardman you know you, you had lost byron pringle you had lost demarcus robinson um uh, you didn't know what was happening with obj and and his contract at the time you had no secondary trevarius ward was was gone T- uh, daniel sorensen praise the lord was gone honey badger was making business decisions that saw him get sent out of town as well right we had brought in Justin Reed but even he was an unknown to us to an extent right and so there was so much in this roster there were so many question marks up and down this roster heading into last draft that Veach answered us overwhelmingly i mean heck he built a super bowl roster essentially with half of it the defense being rookies you know which is which is amazing i mean you don't hit on a draft picks like that you know in, in any other season there, no other gm does that than Brett Veach
3: yeah, and I think you know one thing that's good to look at it as a, a puzzle, right? This roster, a Super Bowl roster, isn't built in a day. And honestly, a Super Bowl roster, it took little tweaks coming through all throughout the season, including players like Kadarius Tony. right? We're going to get little pieces of the puzzle as we come along here. The first piece of the puzzle that we're going to get is going to be the um, franchise tag deadline. Most people expect the Chiefs to put the franchise tag on Orlando Brown again. Um, That'll be kind of the first piece of the puzzle. If for some reason they didn't, it might be because there's an extension that's agreed to. Or maybe they are truly planning on moving on from him. At this time, I'd be surprised if they did decide to move on from him. Then we get another piece of the puzzle with free agency, as you were talking about, right? We'll start getting an idea of what the Chiefs want to do with the roster through free agency and then that leads us up to the draft and then we'll get more pieces of the puzzle with some of those visits that they have where they bring prospects in kind of get an idea of what they're thinking about on the roster but it it, the whole roster really comes together quite nicely through the offseason and one thing and and we're going to start breaking down the roster here but one thing i think is nice about where the Chiefs roster is right now is where some of the better free agents line up at is some of the holes that they have on the roster currently. Um, This week, I'm going to be writing about the safety position, just kind of as an overview on the roster of where the safeties are. There's a lot of positions that the Chiefs can kind of check off their list as not a draft need, just through free agency and what's currently on the roster. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, as the, the pieces come together on this podcast, we'll be able to really kind of identify what the big draft needs are for this team.
2: Yeah, 100%. And I think that you mentioned OBJ, a a few moments ago and i think if you see the chiefs franchise tag ob orlando brown jr again i think that that is an indictment of their opinion of left tackles in this class i think that that means that they think that there's not a left tackle that's going to make it to them at 31 that anybody who else who's remaining at that point or within trade-up distance that's not going to cost them their entire draft and, and future draft picks are right tackles right like i don't think that i think they don't think that there's an improvement at obj within striking distance to them in this class if if they franchise tag him
3: yeah and you know i think i think one thing that's interesting too is to kind of remember just how much movement happens with the draft board over time right there's players right now that we're not talking about that will probably end up going in the first round and then there's probably some players that we're talking about right now who might not even be in the second round you know players fall players rise uh you know the last kind of piece of the puzzle is going to be those combine scores and pro days so yeah i mean i I think that that's probably not far off one thing to be spoken for too is just the continuity that exists in the offensive line the chiefs have an opportunity to at least have four maybe even five of five of their starters back again offensive line probably more than any other position in the league consistency communication it matters a lot with getting a repertoire or, you know, uh, a rapport with the offensive line together. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that's possible. And I also definitely think it's possible that tagging Orlando Brown doesn't necessarily mean that they're out of the left tackle market. Um, They might draft a guy that they want to play on the right side and move over to the left side eventually. Or they might say, hey, we're going to tag Orlando Brown here at left tackle and then try to go get a great right tackle, whether it be free agency or through the draft. And then, you know, if we have to help Orlando Brown on the left side, we've got a guy on the right side who can shut it down. So yeah, it, it really kind of is interesting left tackle wise. I don't, you know, I don't see, I think, you know, Broderick Jones is probably like the guy that has the best chance of falling to them. Um, I get him a couple of times sometimes in mock drafts, but not often. And even him, I mean, there's still a lot of raw traits there with him. And also he kind of profiles out a little bit like who they have at left tackle right now.
2: Yeah. I think that my thing with Broderick Jones is, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but He's got more speed than Orlando Brown Jr., but he doesn't handle power quite as well as some other left tackles that we've seen or as well as Orlando Brown Jr. does. Um, but one thing kind of, you make a good point there with Orlando Brown Jr., specifically about tagging him, not necessarily taking him out of the left tackle market now that I think about it. Because, you know, one thing we know about Brett Veach is when he enters into the draft, he doesn't like entering in the draft with gaping holes in his roster he wants to be able to draft best overall like that's that's brett veach's motto he wants to take the best overall guy and the way you do that is you you fill out your roster with passable players or solid enough players that, that if you have to you know enter into a game with them tomorrow that they're not going to cost you the game. Like you're Justin Watson's for instance, you know, that we had, that he signed la- last off season. And so, yeah, you know, he could tag OBJ and then if he sees a tackle, a left tackle prospect or in the free agency, if somebody becomes available that he likes, you know, you could always sign him, draft him. And then you could, I mean, tag and trade is a thing for a reason, right? You know, like that doesn't mean that, 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 that OBJ is not a chip that he couldn't use to move and gain additional draft picks either picks either this year or next year if he wanted to or to move up in the draft to get somebody that he wants you know if there is somebody in the left tackle market so that's a good point yeah and you know like looking at the draft as a whole
3: even the Chiefs get caught off guard we you know sit here and run mock drafts and try to talk about every scenario they do that times 100 and even they were caught off guard by Trent McDuffie being on the board to them they couldn't believe that they were in reach of getting him and that's why they went up and got him right so it's totally possible that draft night happens and someone falls, you know, like we're all sitting here put, put, uh, praying like Peter Skoronsky, please have a pot mask on gas mask on or something. So you can fall to us so we can draft to you. Um, I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. Right. But you know, I keep, you know, that was the joke last year is that we just kept hoping that, um, Oh, what's the, he's with the lions, Jamison Jameson Williams, like Jameson Williams, please have a pot video that goes viral yeah. on, on draft night and fall to the chiefs. But yeah, I don't I don't you can't really foresee those type of things, but it can happen. So what the Chiefs just have to do is, like you said, they got to put themselves in a position that they could play a game if they had to might not be pretty, but they at least don't have any gaping holes because you just don't know what's going to fall to you.
2: All right. So let's play a little game really quick. This is a, a tangent that we hadn't planned on, but I to hit it with you anyway. This is a wild card. You ready? All right. Who's the number one draft pick that you hope gets caught on Instagram smoking weed with Aaron Rodgers? I don't know.
3: I mean, <laughs> I see. Here's the thing: you got to pick a player that you know, like would would fall, right? So, like your Jalen Carter or something like that. They're not going to fall. Like someone would snatch them up by that. So it's got to be a player that's fringe enough to like possibly fall enough for the Chiefs. I, I think. Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba—that's probably who. Like that's who I would love to see fall for the Chiefs because I think they would use him so well. And I think like with where the wide receiver core is for the Chiefs right now, it's so defined that like him in the slot would just he would just eat with Andy. I mean, Andy would have him so clear and open all the time. And I would just love to get that weapon for Mahomes day one. They could hit it off. So I'm gonna go with him. But like honorable mention. Minchum- Michael Meyer, right? Like, uh, the tight end out of Notre Dame, that would be great to have him get a couple of apprentice years with Kelsey, learn from the best. And then he's a, he's a solid blocker too. So he would have, um, you know, a role to fill there too. So those are going to be my two.
2: You know, I, I, I I can't disagree, especially with the Michael Meyer one. I mean, I think he's a future superstar in the league and, and Andrew Kelsey. I mean, and Travis Kelsey is not getting any younger. You know, he's getting a little bit, a little long in the tooth, even though he's still getting it done, but he has enough gas in the tank that, you know, you could, you he could sit there, come in, learn from him for a year or two. while we're still getting great production from Kelsey and, and I think one thing that that you heard Andy Reid say after the Super Bowl, the reason why they love Juju Smith-Schuster so much is because it put another big body on the opposite side of the field who ran great routes and who was an offensive weapon that that they had that they couldn't double team Kelsey every single time on one side because they had to worry about Juju on the other side, and so I, I, that's essentially a two a two tight end set right there you know i mean you you want to like these like tight ends today like i heard on the athletic podcast um dane brugler said you know like like we keep on calling these guys tight ends everybody these days is just a big slot like they're all big slots you know what i mean and so if you can have a big slot on each side of the field then uh, hell yeah i hope they i hope i hope they all smoke weed like i hope that (laughs) both of them smoke weed i hope that lucas van Ness smokes weed just let everybody fall justin houston style to the kansas city chiefs
3: yeah, well, unfortunately, that that stuff's getting a little bit more legal around here, so they might have to be smoking something a little bit harder from the fall to the Chiefs nowadays. But yeah, I am glad you mentioned that podcast, by the way. Um, that that was really insightful. The uh, it's the Athletic Football Show, but uh, Dane Brugger was on there, and they they did some really kind of good breakdowns, kind of talking about we might need to reevaluate the way we look at positions, right? Like instead of stop, we, we do this with pass rushers and defensive linemen, right? Like it's edge versus interior. But they brought up, you know, maybe having different types of tight ends, like a slot tight end, um, and then even different types of wide receivers, right? Like you've got your classic X and your Y, and then kind of some of those gadgety players a little bit. But yeah, um, you know, just kind of looking at the roster, I kind of looking at like, what positions do you think probably have the biggest need? Um, To me, the ones that jump out the most are obviously going to be defensive line, tackle, And when I say defensive line, I mean both edge and interior. Uh, You've got Derek Naughty, who should be a free agent. He came back on a one-year deal. Colin Saunders is a free agent as well. Um, They've got quite a bit of need there on the edge. Like, it's pretty imminent that Frank Clark is at least going to be cut. He could be brought back, but he's not coming back at his current cap number. Carlos Dunlap was a one-year deal. Um, So tackle, defensive line. um, I I would put safety up there as well, too, depending on your evaluation of Brian Cook. What about you, Rocky?
2: So I think that safety is definitely um, a need. Even though I am one of the biggest Brian Cook fans in the world, I'm a Brian Cook stand account through and through. But I think that the Chiefs use three safeties often enough that they need three quality safeties. Like they can't just get by with with any old jag off the street at safety for their third safety because they bring them down in the box and they use them as a slot as a slot as a slot corner. They also kind of almost use them as a linebacker in the run game. They also blitz them as well. Um, they switch them in and out. They, um, they will either put Brian cook in the box or they'll bring, they love bringing Justin Reed in the box, but that's because Brian cooks in the bad back end, right? If you have, if you have somebody you don't trust in the back end, then they're not able to bring Justin Reed down in the box as much as they do and have him kind of play the ball. And so I think the safety is a huge, is a huge need. Um, I think my number one need is defensive tackle right now, the more I look at it, um, obviously you have all world with Chris Jones, right? But, other than that, you got Danny Shelton and Daniel Wise right now, who you know for sure is going to be there, you know, come come next year. Um, on the edge, at least you you do have George Carlotta still, and you do still have Mike Dana, where if you had to roll with them, you could in a game. You don't want to. It's not going to be a strength. It's not something that's great. Um, you definitely want to upgrade there, and I would love to have Frank Clark back. I mean, Frank Clark's still technically – you know, under contract, but I don't think there's anybody, like you said, who thinks that he's coming back at his $30 million a year cap hit. He's just, he just, you just can't bring back Frank Clark at that number. Like it's, it's, it's irresponsible, you know, to the team. Um, And so I would say anywhere along the defensive line are probably our biggest needs. And then I would say on offense, probably your number one need is either another, like, like high, high end, tight end, like you're talking like a Michael Meyer or trading for 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 one from somewhere else, or a big, a larger wide receiver, a guy who can play X on the outside, like a Quentin Johnson, or I mean a Jonathan Mingo, who you're not gonna take necessarily in the first round, or a Cedric Tillman, or an A.T. Perry, or any of these like these guys who they may not be game breakers, but they're a big body who can win on the outside. Because otherwise, right now you got you got John Ross, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, and then you do have Marca, Marquez valdez scantling and, and and if if Justin Ross is healthy, you do have you do have Justin Ross, who who could be that person, and then Cornell pa- Powell, who hasn't, who's now entering his third year. You can't you can, at this point. I don't think you can count on Cornell Powell to be anything more than a practice squad guy, you know. And so I think you got to have that bigger body wide receiver.
3: Yeah, first off, I have to come clean on something. Um, I'm the one who mispronounced it first, but then I got you doing it. It's Michael Mayer, like the guy who runs a city. Michael Mayer, he might actually fall to the Chiefs if he runs around murdering people with a knife. Um, That one, he might actually fall to the Chiefs. So that was my mispronunciation. The Titan out of Notre Dame, Michael Mayer. Uh, But very similar. Uh, That was my bad. Uh, But, yeah, I think looking at the roster, one thing that I put a huge emphasis on, the trenches, like – Back when Andy was in Philly, and still to this day, Philly still beat, builds their roster through the trenches, right? There's almost no situation that you could look at a great play. You know, if we're talking best player on the board, that there's a great player in the trenches, whether it be defensive line or offensive line, that you could say, we don't need that, right? You look at the Chiefs. They drafted Darian Kennard, but Joe Tooney's probably on in his last year for Kansas City, looking at his cap number for the following year. If a great guard is sitting there, it's not entirely out of the question. I don't think you have to take it off the board. Now, I don't think that they would. I think they'd probably look to trade down in that it situation. But if they're sitting there in your lap and you feel like you've got a top you know, 20, 30 player, it's hard to say no. But to me, the thing that I look at the most for the Chiefs this year as a major need is, and I'm just going to call it a playmaker, I want another player that te- teams fear. I know that we feel really great about Isaiah Pacheco as a player, but I don't necessarily think that he's a player that's keeping defenses up at night. I think that he served a great role, and I think he's very good for what the Chiefs need. They need a guy who can run downhill, hit the open gap, one cut and go. And Isaiah Pacheco's there, but you can become better at that position, wide receiver, tight end, whatever it is that you're looking for on offense. I think you know the Chiefs are about one Travis Kelsey back spasm away from really hurting on offense um, this coming year. We've liked what we've seen from Kadarius Tony, but his hamstrings, unfortunately, are the same hamstrings of Sammy Watkins. Hopefully, he can get get with Bobby Stroop and like get his hamstrings straightened out. But you know, and and Sky Moore, the the way the Chiefs kind of played it this year with him, he's just a total unknown. Nothing would surprise me if he came out and had a great year next year, and nothing would surprise me if he didn't. You know, we were kind of talking pre-pod a little bit about the Corndog play and Corndog 2.0, but, like, part of that play is that he was in the wrong spot. It's like, oh, maybe that's why Sky Moore hasn't been finding the field a lot. So playmaker is a huge concern for me. It's just one that, like, if we're talking about and, you know, we'll do the thing, don't worry, we'll do the thing, but if a, a terrific playmaker is sitting on the on the board we will just say – be John Robinson. If that player is sitting on the board at 31, it's really hard to say no to that because that is a player who breaks schemes. The Chiefs used to have two players like that it used to be Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill that it didn't matter. Every team went into a game saying we're stopping those two two guys. The Buffalo Bills AFC Championship game. I remember them talking all week, you just got to shut down those two guys. They both went for over 100 yards and two touchdowns or something ridiculous. It doesn't matter. You know, the Bengals, they they slapped a little sign all week. Oh, we're going to stop Kelsey. Doesn't matter. Those are blue chip players. Those are game breakers. Those are guys that it doesn't matter what the scheme does. They go out and win one-on-one. And, you know, I used to be John Robinson with Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba or, you know, whatever player, getting a playmaker like that I think is – Huge for this offense because Mahomes needs that to continue to be, you know, the quarterback that he has been to continue to have the overwhelming amount of riches he has as a quarterback with Andy Reid. And ultimately, I just think, you know, they need to give themselves Travis Kelsey insurance.
2: Well, I 100% agree with you about B. John Robinson. And any Chiefs fans who are out there that still have kind of uh, buyer's remorse over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and say, no, don't take a running back in the first round, it's not even a comparable situation. Yeah, it, not, it, it's,
3: it's really not.
2: Yeah, you're not saying don't take another Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You're saying don't take Adrian Peterson. Like, like that's the level that they're not the same running back, but that's a level of talent that you're saying you're that don't that go ahead and pass on an Adrian Peterson level player or a a possible Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders. We're talking, I think that B. John Robinson has it in him to be one of the greatest running backs of all time. And if you have that sitting there at number 31 and you're not drafting a running back. You're drafting somebody who has the potential to be a future Hall of Famer. Positional value be damned at that, at that point, I think.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Smart Water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
3: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
4: All right, we are back on the AP Draft Room podcast. Having some fun talking draft. Appreciate you guys listening. We're going to talk some names, some prospect names. You know, we've been talking kind of Chiefs, offseason, what to think about it. You know, kind of the internal stuff. Let's go external, Caleb. Let's talk some of these draft prospects. And... Honestly, let's let's kind of go from a broad uh, big picture perspective. Let's talk about just kind of the top of the class, some guys that, you know, probably aren't going to be in Chiefs uniforms because they are so good and they can't ever get top picks because they always win so much, dang it Chiefs. Um, but it, it you know, I'm not going to talk about the quarterbacks because and and I'll make a promise to the people, we will not talk quarterbacks on this podcast. I'm sorry. We just won't. Like I, if you want to talk quarterbacks, go to Rocky's podcast, Beach Season, because we're not talking quarterbacks on this podcast. There is absolutely no reason to. We are going to talk about the other guys, and, and, and a few of those guys at the top are edge defender from Alabama, Will Anderson, um, defensive tackle from Georgia, Jalen Carter, two of the most you know, dominant defensive linemen in college football, and, and honestly, two of the better prospects I've ever uh, you know, evaluated, honestly. I think Jalen Carter, especially, um, I, I think he has a great chance to go above Will Anderson. But then, you you know, you mentioned kind of the cornerbacks at the top of this class too, like a guy like Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. You know, the Illinois' uh, Devon Witherspoon, you know, he was kind of a late guy to come out. Man, he looks like a stud. Um, he seems to be going early. You know, Tyree Wilson, the edge from Texas Tech. I don't know. and Anyone at the top of the class, you're just like, okay, you know what? If the Chiefs just, you know, went crazy, went nuts and just traded everything to go get this guy, I would be totally for it.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, I really like a uh, big Peter Skronsky from Northwestern. I think okay. he's a sweet offensive tackle in the draft. A lot of people are being silly right now saying he's not going to play tackle because he's, like, not very big. But if you look at the way these edges are getting quicker, you need guys that can kind of keep up with him. I'm not saying he's a complete carbon copy of Rashawn Slater, but I think he's going to be really good, you know, I watched him as an underclassman, his film, he's locking up Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo. And if there was a time when people were saying David Ojabo might go in the top 10 also before his injury. So he handles speed. Well, he handles length and power. Well, he can do it all. Um, You know, some other guys just kind of looking around the class. There's not really that loaded in any particular area. I like Lucas Van Ness from university of Iowa. I think yes. he's kind of a tweener between an edge and a defensive tackle, but he's got this rare blend of power. He's got a lot of things he does well. Uh, big Darnell Washington from Georgia. He is, a, tight end, yeah. he is a big tight end. This tight end class is – I think the tight end class is the strongest class. I've been kind of looking through some of these guys right. pretty closely. And then, you know, uh, Quentin Johnson – from TCU, big time wide receiver. If they wanted to go up and get a big time wide receiver, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to it because mm-hmm. he's got he's got a lot of speed to his game. He's got a lot of that. You know, he can go up and make contested catches, high point the ball. You know, like we, like you said, this isn't the most overall deepest draft class in the world, but obviously at the top end of that front round, you got like your physical specimens. You got like your blue chip guys who would you know you just feel like you can't miss.
4: Yeah. So you talk about receiver a little bit. That's one thing where I feel like it's kind of an underwhelming class for that position, um, especially towards the top. But, again, that kind of maybe benefits the Chiefs where they're not picking, you know, towards the top. They are kind of picking in the sweet spot for receivers. Um, So I think that is one thing. But, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, is there any players that stand out to you? You know, we talked about, you know, maybe going crazy and drafting and trading up for someone, which I like the Skaronsky pick because that would be a really nice way to kind of, you know, solidify the offensive line. Are there any guys here that are kind of just like, I don't really get the hype too much on them. Um, you know, I can start here cause I'll go with a couple Clemson guys. I, I will say, uh, well, first of all, edge defender, miles Murphy. I just feel like he is a very plain Jane, just kind of solid player. It almost reminds me of Cleveland Farrell a little bit. I, I almost like Farrell more as a prospect. I, I, I remember that. Um, I think Murphy doesn't flash as even as much as Farrell did. And I'm trying not the helmet scout there, but they're both Clemson defenders. But let me also throw out, I you know, I know his twenty-two tape was twenty-twenty-two tape was maybe affected by coming back from injury, and then also he did lose a family member. It was a uh, uh, Brian Brise, the the Clemson defensive tackle. But man, I just don't really get him. He's just kind of a weird fit in the NFL to me. Um, I he's 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 kind of this weird tweener between like an a gap and b gap defensive tackle but i don't think he's he can stuff very well but i also don't really see him he, he has some quick hands he he can do a few things but i just feel like in the nfl it's really not going to work that kind of his pass rush stuff um so i don't know i'm kind of out on both the clemson top defensive linemen are there any guys up top that you're kind of just you know not not as excited as as the rest of the draft community is
5: uh i think baby paris johnson from ohio state Cause there's times when he doesn't even look like the best offense tackle on his own team, just in the film. I, you know, Daywan Jones plays some good football too. I think though, just with him, it's kind of like he struggles against some power. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, and I know this is one of his first years playing right tackle. I get that. I feel like he maybe should have stayed in school a little bit longer to develop a little more. I think he's going to, People are going to see him as like a plug and play day one guy. I almost see more as like a project first rounder, like draft him and sit him. I just don't quite see some of that pop and physicality there with his hands, you know, and getting into it. uh, Jalen Hyatt, the receiver from uh, Tennessee, I think he's explosive. I think he's fast. But there's sometimes I see him out there, and I'm like, is he just gonna be like kind of like McCole Hardman type things? Is I, I like Zay I kind of like Zay Flowers over Jalen Hyatt, to be honest with you. I know obviously you got the SEC versus ACC here. You're talking about like your short explosive guys. I think Zay Flowers runs a better route tree overall. I think Hyatt's just kind of getting some of that hype because Tennessee's offense was so incredible. Flowers played obviously for a much smaller school. You know, Boston College not really known for putting up a lot of points, throwing the rock around the field here and there. But you know, if it came down to maybe the Chiefs taking one of those two guys because they feel they have to get that explosion upfield, I would go as I'd go as Zay Flowers,
4: dude. Yeah, I I kind of started sneak peeking into the receiver class, and Zay Flowers is an intriguing prospect, and we we are going to talk about him a little more a little later. But actually, I'm I'm going to get to this right now because um, because I do want to get to the mock drafts, and so let's. Let's go prospect of the week. This I'm going to get started to have some sort of uh, some celebration music or something, because this is this is going to be a recurring segment prospect of the week alarms going off blaring right now, because what we're doing here on this on this recurring segment is we're going to try to pick as many chiefs draft picks as possible. Um, that is the point of naming the guys here. We're going to keep track and see how many guys and who, who names them, you know, kind of a competition. See who gets I get more options, more choices. Uh, so I get the advantage, kind of like putting more more tickets in the raffle. But uh, prospect of the week, I'm going to go first. My guy, it was my first draft crush of this cycle. And, and again, I talked about having maybe a three-down defensive tackle earlier. Keanu Benton, the Wisconsin defensive tackle, is someone that I am super excited about, um, potentially as a day-two pick. I don't really think day one would be what I want to do with it. But, you know, hey, if he's that good of a prospect, I get it. I just really like this guy's – Size as an A-gap defender. He's a huge dude, just a just a bear of a man. And he played in the Big Ten, obviously plugging a lot of a lot of downhill run games, you know, plugging holes in it. But he moves very well for his size. And not only does he move well, he just he just uses his hands in a in a smart way. He's an effective pass rusher. He's a smart pass rusher. He he has plans. He he makes moves. He has counter moves. He can spin. He can loop. He's just a guy that I think. <clears throat> kind of has the the full package in terms of being a guy that you can trust to just eat up space in and, you know, in these light box NFL, you know, right. This light box NFL modern day where, you know, you need guys that, you know, they're going to spread you out. You're only going to have six people in the box. You need guys to eat, eat up space in the middle. I think he can do that, but then you can also trust him when it is a four man rush. If Chris Jones going to get double team, this guy's going to beat up a guard, man. He, you know, he's, 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 he's got the hands. He's got the, uh, again, the moves. And he's just a big ass dude so i like keanu benton as 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 kind of my first prospect of the week caleb who did you bring for show and
5: tell on on this today's show we go with will mcdonald at the university of iowa state i think he is an incredibly athletic edge rusher he's got the kind of bend and flexibility to get around the arc that the chiefs have been missing for quite a while you know they've got these power rushers they haven't really had a guy that can like just get around, dip and riff around a tackle. I think McDonald brings that to the table. I think he's going to start to fly up boards as, you know, this whole thing progresses. I think he'll be there at the end of the first round, you know, and it's hard, it gets harder to evaluate, you know, defensive ends and edges as time goes on. Cause all these teams play like these weird three, three, you know, three, three, five variations. Right. They play all these stack defenses where you got head up defensive ends. I think if he gets in a system and is coached by like a guy like Spaggs, you're gonna get to really see some of those physical gifts because he's the kind of guy that he can, you know, put his shoulder to the ground and still be standing up. He's got that kind of flexibility, he's got the long levers, and he's got production too. You know, we're not just like I'm not just out here saying all these traits. You go put on his film, you know, he's around the ball a lot, he's making a lot of plays. So I'll go with him. I'll go with him. I've been studying his film a little bit here. I think he's going to be a dude. I honestly think the whole state of Iowa, between Iowa and Iowa State, there are some really good <laughs> prospects out of both of these colleges. This is like maybe like the pinnacle of of football in the college the or in the uh, Iowa colleges this year.
4: <laughs> hey, man, corn fed Midwestern. That's that's the Chiefs know that they love it, and and they're they're going to look there. So uh, that's a great choice now. And he is an electric edge rusher, someone that you know. Day two, right? Kind of maybe a day two. I know there is some buzz for maybe late day one for him, but I think that might be a little overblown. Um, But but who knows, depending on what he does at the combine. Real quick, we're going to do a weekly would you rather. This is kind of off the cuff, but real quick, Caleb, would you rather the Chiefs address offense or defense with the first draft selection? I'm putting you on the spot. Offense or defense if you had to choose
5: one. Uh, I'm going to go with defense here. I just really think it's important for them that they continue to build that defensive line. There is nothing more important in the National Football League right now, defensively speaking, than having guys that can get after the quarterback. You've got your secondary. You've got good linebackers. The only thing that has really hurt you in the past, if you're the Chiefs, this season, last season, whatever it may be, is your inability to get to the quarterback. And you got to get some athletic guys, kind of like a Will McDonald, kind of like a Lucas Van kind of guys who can run who can do different things because you got to chase down you know we we talk about how these teams have to play when they go against pat mahomes that's how the chiefs have to play when they go against you know herbert josh allen jalen hurts lamar jackson all these different guys that can run they can do different things they can extend plays because that's how quarterbacks are going in the nfl you know as we get more and more of these quarterbacks you got to start addressing the defense at some point i think that the chiefs are in a position where they're so close to having one of these top ten defenses. Spags' system is there. They've drafted guys. They've got maybe the best defensive player in all of football. Add around Chris Jones. You do so much to add around Patrick Mahomes. Give Chris Jones some help up front really watch him shine because he's going to be getting the double teams. He's got triple teamed in the playoffs right. a couple of times. You're going to see those things pop up more and more frequently. You've got to be able to keep him fresh. You've got to be able to get some more guys that can get after the quarterback too.
4: Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm glad you said defense though. Cause I'm, I am going to say offense. I, I do think if I were them, if I, if I really wanted them to do one or the other, I think I would like to see, to see them draft a receiver or an offensive tackle and to be offensive tackle with, with being a right tackle, I would say in mind, to be honest with you, but either way, either side, but even if they did want to take a swing on one of these tight ends, we kind of mentioned it a little bit, you know, Hey, I wouldn't hate it because I do think there is, there's this offensive evolution um, that, that, Or, you know, there's there's these cycles in NFL offenses, right? And I do think the next wave could be, and the Chiefs have already kind of, you know, set themselves up to do it. Heavy tight end sets, obviously playing, you know, a lot from there. They're really good at that. Well, what if you stack that tight end position up with legitimate players, not just Noah Gray's and Jody Fortson's, don't get me wrong, good players, but I'm talking, you know, top prospects like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez back in the day, uh, you know. That kind of stuff. So it's interesting. And I think it'd be nice to add to the offensive firepower, but your defensive okay. point is correct. But, Kale, let's have some fun. Let's talk through some mock drafts, some of the experts who they think are the Chiefs will be taking. I do think this is a good exercise to go through because some of these are, are important names in the draft industry that know what they're talking about, right? And I'm going to start first with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. You know, obviously, you know, a former scout, one of the most plugged in you know, guys who leads NFL Network's draft coverage before the Senior Bowl. He had us taking Brian Brise, the, the Clemson uh, 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 defensive tackle, which, again, I've already kind of said not a huge fan of. But after the Senior Bowl, this one's an interesting one we haven't talked about yet. Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith, kind of a speed rusher kind of guy, obviously did not finish this season with Georgia f- uh, because of injury. But, you know, a senior, um, someone that has been, you know, kind of a captain of that defense, someone that was on, you know, a big part of the national championship sh- uh, national championship team from a year ago. How would you feel about Nolan Smith being
5: added to the Chiefs? Well, he there's your athletic bendy edge rusher. Right. I don't know really – I mean, he would be pushing the boundary for even Spags at that point as yeah. far as, like, is this guy even going to be considered an off-ball linebacker? Is he an edge rusher truly just because of that body frame? He'd be, like, the smallest pass rusher along the edge I think Spags had ever had. But, I mean, if he's going to be willing to adjust some of his calls and, you know, adjust his game plan a little bit, you know, maybe give up a little more against the run, Smith is certainly an aggressive, physical, quick player. I think, you know, his mentality, he'd be a great addition to the defense. He'd be a guy that maybe you're looking to be a leader there here in a few seasons if they did go after him. I just don't know if I completely see the fit all the way.
4: No, I'm with you. I I think that's true. I think he profiles definitely more as like a 3-4 outside linebacker than a 4-3 defensive end obviously you make those guys work if you if you if they're on the team he's going to be a good rusher for you but um yeah that's that, that is an interesting fit Todd McShay obviously of ESPN uh you know always plugged in he had the Chiefs taking Maryland offensive tackle Jalen Duncan someone I broke down for us on the AP film room um, go check that out on YouTube but you know offensive tackle just in general I mean our you know I, I kind of said it'd be nice for them to address that Duncan is kind of a project, though, so he may not be someone that uh, you maybe start right away, but how would you feel about that?
5: I, I mean, I'm all for it. That feels maybe a little bit high to be drafting Duncan at. I always envisioned him more. I in think like I agree. 60 yeah. to 75 range, just because when we were, we, we were looking at his film last night, he does some things really well. His run blocking, his reach blocking, his zones. How he blocked it Maryland on the ground. His feet and the way he combines his hands and feet at the same time and run blocking to really connect and put that power on people. It's impressive. Flip side and pass protection. He gets caught and he just doesn't really trust himself when he gets to the, you know, the arc, to the point in the arc where he's got to be able to sit there another step and just wait for the defensive end. He gives up some stuff to power. Definite project guy. I think he may be a little too high for a first round pick.
4: Yeah, I think he is more of a project. But again, someone that you again you you, you see those feet and you're kind of like, man, I could work with this. And maybe in a few years, if we really get him, you know, strong. I think one thing is he just needs to be stronger. He's not the strongest offensive tackle either. His hands need to be stronger. Um, so that is, it's an interesting one though. Uh, Mike Renner of PFF uh, had us taking Luke Musgrave, Oregon State tight end. I have not gotten too much into the tight end class. I, I know this guy's a hot name. Do you have any takes on Luke
5: Musgrave? I like him, but I like other tight ends a little bit more than him. I watch him. He gets open a lot. He makes a lot of great contested catches. I think there's some other guys that are a little better in yak situations, but he is like 6'6. He's about 250. And when, you know, he's built like a certain individual. When teams are drafting tight ends from now till the end of time, they're going to draft guys that look a lot like Travis Kelsey. <laughs> he doesn't necessarily play a lot like Travis Kelsey. But he's got that build where some team could go. You know, we can turn him into it. I like guy like Sam Laporte a little bit more. I think he's got a little more juice in the Yak game, but he'd be like a third-round pick, I think. I don't think he'd be a first-rounder. From from Iowa, correct? From Iowa. I'm, I'm really high on the Iowa crew this year. There's a lot of guys <laughs> from Iowa and Iowa State.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip?